So I felt it was really important, especially as creators and as marketers and, and anyone in business or in selling or in relationships to leverage the power of story. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, what's up? It's episode 145. Today's episode is all about how to break through the noise and build trust with storytelling in manufacturing. Our guest this week is James Soto, the CEO of Industrial Strength Marketing, a full-service B2B industrial marketing agency. Now, I learned about James and Industrial last year leading up to IMTS in 2022, that massive Every other year conference hosted by the Association for Manufacturing Technology. And since then, we've collaborated on some video content and live events through the Manufacturing Champions community. It's been pretty cool, and I recently had an excuse to head down to Tennessee. More on that in a second. So we recorded this live at Industrial Strength Marketing Studio in Nashville, and I plan on doing more of these on-site, in-person interviews at various destinations. Anyway, here are three things you can expect from today's episode. First, we'll get some background and kick off with a very Nashville-centric start to this interview. Second, we talk about building trust in storytelling as we reflect back on a mastermind event that we were both recently a part of. James and I also talk about brand standards and how to work with and around those, and strategies for breaking through the noise when everyone has something to say. Finally, we talk about how manufacturing is starting to pop up in different regions around the United States. As always, if you want to learn more, check out the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 145. That'll take you straight to this episode where you can connect with James, learn more about industrial strength marketing. And before we dive in, I do want to do a little quick announcement. I mentioned I'm traveling more. I'm doing these on-site interviews. I'm also traveling to do more keynote speeches as Manufacturing Happy Hour approaches are, let's say, our official 150-episode mark and close to 200 episodes if you include bonus episodes. I'm doing more conversations around the top lessons that I've learned from manufacturing leaders. So if you're interested, if you need a keynote speaker for a manufacturing event, a company kickoff, whatever it may be, hey, hit me up at info at manufacturinghappyhour.com. Send me an email there with the subject line keynote. I'd love to continue the conversation. I've said it before, and really the goal of this podcast is I help manufacturers tell their story to their ideal audience. And if I can help your manufacturing organization articulate its story, I'd love to do that and come on site and speak with your team. Anyway, with that, let's meet up with James Soto in Nashville, Tennessee for a straight up bar crawl of an episode. And you'll see what I mean by that in just a second. All right, James, Chris, welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Finally, I'm here on Manufacturing Happy Hour. We knew this was going to happen. We knew this was going to happen. It's appropriate that we're here at Industrial HQ here in Nashville today because normally I, I say, you know, it's a home game when I'm recording from my studio, but this is a home game for you, which is also appropriate because you and I are going to catch my hometown, St. Louis City SC playing Nashville SC in uh, a proper football match tomorrow. At Giotis, at Giotis Park. So we're 
It's on. We have to have a little uh, wager here. So uh, what do you think? I think you had suggested something, you know, light like beer along that, okay. like local hometown. Like, because I love home style here in Nashville from Bearded Iris, one of my favorite craft brews. I've got some that I'd be happy to gift to you guys if uh, if the outcome is not favorable for yeah. St. Louis tomorrow. All right. Well, we'll consider your, you know, your craft breweries, you know, we're, we're, we've got a good game here. It's now, good Nashville. stuff. I'm not optimistic <laughs> about the injury report I'm seeing for my team tomorrow. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm prepared to give you some, some good beer if it comes down to it. But when All this right, comes yeah. out, that match will have been decided. But in the meantime, here at Industrial HQ, and this question's perfect for you because we are in Nashville and I always start these podcasts with, hey, if we were having this conversation over a beverage, describe the setting, describe the venue where we'd go. So we're going to go a step further today. Take us on a little Nashville, Nashville crawl, if you will. Restaurant, brewery, honky tonks, everything's fair play. Okay, so you start at the corner of Fifth and Taylor at Industrial HQ because we're in one of the best neighborhoods. It's actually a historic manufacturing neighborhood, German immigrant community. We had Gersts, we had Budekas, and we had Newhoffs. There were butchers, there were whiskey merchants, and there were beer makers. So this was like a beer-making hub here. So Bearded Iris is located here. So where I'd start the tour, because we could do all of them, is we would start off coming out the door and say, let's fill our bellies first. Let's make sure we're in good shape. Let's go to Rolf and Daughters. So we're in the Worthen Historic Packaging Plant. We go to Rolf and Daughters. It's a James Beard award-winning restaurant. And they're actually in the boiler room in this plant. We're in the warehouse of the Historic Worthen Packaging Plant. From there, and by the way, they have amazing food, amazing cocktails, and uh, you got to check it out. Next, we would walk, because it's a walkable neighborhood. We would walk over to Monday Night Brewing Company, and that's in the historic Newhoff plant which was when the Industrial Revolution came in and okay. um, uh, refrigeration was invented. You actually can bring in on ships, you could bring in meat. So they, the German uh, butchers came together and they created this beautiful historic plant. And now it's actually uh, on site. They have um, Monday Night Brewing Company there. And then obviously uh, we'll take a stop of short walk from there to uh, get you some bearded iris. Yep. And then from there... We'd probably take a hop out of the neighborhood and go to the five spot out there in East Nashville or Basement East, mm. which is you want punk rock, you want rock and roll, you want to go hang out with Jack White, yep. you know, with the White Stripes. You can see lots of people here in Nashville, Black Crows, who knows who's going to pop in, but some great independent music. And that would be a good day, but I would take one more stop. Okay. And we should talk this about this. This is quite the crawl. We should talk about <laughs> this. That this is all industrial. We're then going to go to a speakeasy um, mm-hmm. called Old Glory. And it's a historic old industrial um, uh, laundry with this beautiful like boiler in the middle of it. It is like an amazing spot for a get together. And they have amazing craft drinks there. So it'd be a great day, but you'd need an Uber back. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I'd be I've got a spot in East Nashville tonight, so leave the car parked there before this this night of excitement as I would call it. Well, this is going to be fun. I asked for like two or three spots. I got like five or six. So we got a we got a long conversation today. <laughs> I, I like I totally like should be like in the Chamber of Commerce. I I I I really think so. So um I love this city. So thanks for coming to to be here with us. It's really cool, man. I I'm excited. 
Good to be here. Well, you know how this show goes, right? Candid conversations as if you're having drinks or dinner with someone. So let's, you know, first questions as if we're sitting down for our meal at Rolf and Daughters, as okay. you were saying. Let's so, you know, I, I have a question for you. Industrial strength marketing, you and your team popped on my radar last year, right before IMTS. Yeah. But you've been doing this for two decades, yeah. since like 2003. So, you know, what were you focused on back then and how have things expanded? We kind of want to get to know you and your business first. Yeah. So in 2003, think of where we were. Um, I came in out of the 90s in the information industry, going from analog to digital. You think 94, Yahoo was formed, 98, Google was mm -hmm. formed. And uh, right around like the, the millennium 2002, um, I, I was approached by Thomas Publishing when they were converting from industrial directories and print to digital, and they needed people with digital DNA. So I worked my way through college on the plant floor. My father was in manufacturing 42 years. And when I was there helping them transition to digital, I saw a major problem in the market, like marketing was like missing, mismanaged or misunderstood. There was not a relationship and understanding of the change. And Google was transforming how industrial buyers and suppliers connected. So I saw like there needs to be an agency. I couldn't see an agency that really unapologetically focused yeah. on the industrial sector. And people thought I was crazy, but it was such an unaddressed market. I said industrial strength marketing. I love the name. Uh, it's in our name. It's what we do. I formed the company and it's just been amazing from there. But it was really helping leaders address the issue of how they grow their business, you know, in a new age of how folks are going to connect. So how to grow your business via digital. So what did that look like back in the beginning? Because uh -huh. now I see you guys doing a lot of videos, but I'm just yeah. going to assume it wasn't as video centric back then. Um, no, the sector was, wasn't video centric. As a matter of fact, we were actually always, we were formed to transition industrials from traditional to technology based marketing. Like I came up, you know, programming, you know, Commodore VIC 20s and computers and coding. And I was part of that whole, we were working on market research in the nineties around this funny set of numbers called Bluetooth mm -hmm. before it was a standard or a thing. And we were going from analog to digital and the backbone to our cellular infrastructure, which is how we work mobily, was being created. So all of all of that led to kind of how we were formed to be this transformative digital organization. So a lot of people think, oh, you just may have switched. But actually, the whole intent was to start with that. And there was a Google Thomas study back in 0405. And it was the first time in history that industrial buyers said that they started the industrial buying process online and um, where manufacturers 80% of the time, uh, you know, they would go to them um, and call them for information that went down to like less than 5%. And, and that's the obvious overlap of the rise, the rapid rise of Google. And you said that was 2005, right? That was the study. It was the first wow. time that we saw that study. Earlier than and, I would have thought. Yeah, it's, it's over half, over half, um, you know, over half of them, you know, definitely went at some, uh, uh, started the process. So it was over 50% and then 80% at some point were engaging with them online. So, so obviously there's a lot of web. Uh, at that point, you got to convince these people going, Why do, I don't believe someone's going to source us and buy something online and connect with us for like capital equipment or fabricating or machining services. But um, the data was there and um, and it's just now been a steady case of making ever more progressive business cases for what people need to do to grow their business. So um, it's been a great run and um, some people still think we're crazy for doing it, but uh, we're glad we did. 
I think it makes a lot of sense. Certainly makes a lot of sense now. I, I'm not sure. I well, I would have still been in high school in 2003, so I'd have had no concept as to whether or not an agency <laughs> you were makes at sense. Recess. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I was I wasn't thinking about this at that point. But kudos to you for being on the cutting edge. So we've gotten your background now, and I think it's time that we're going to be walking over to Monday Night Brewing, as you suggested. Let's go. So so All we're right. jumping over to Monday Night Brewing. I'm literally going to take people on the bar crawl during this conversation. Let's so, go. Let's crawl. Our next conversation switches gears a little bit because you and I did the Manufacturing Champions event in end of February, beginning of March 2023. And your talk at that event, your keynote, if you will, was focused on trust in storytelling. So tell us a bit about this. I'm going to keep it vague and have you fill in the details, right? What what does trust in storytelling look like? Yeah, I, I think it comes down to how our, our brains work. You know, we were we were wired for story. Our primitive brain is how we've survived. We've passed down the places we go or shouldn't go. Um, and that storytelling, our brains are wired to empathize. And and as marketers, we're leveraging, you know, um, dopamine. We're, we're leveraging oxytocin, the empathy drug, um, or cortisol as a stressor. So for me, it's it was really around, you know, how do we talk about the power of story. And, and essentially, if you look at like these studies around like the Edelman Trust Barometer and things like that, what they find is that, you know, these industrial, whether you're on the shop floor, you're in maintenance, repair and operations, or you're, you know, you're in the boardroom and you're trying to make real big decisions about how you grow your business, how do you, you know, stay competitive, automate, whatever it is. You know, when people see someone just like themselves, that's what the studies show. Like people will empathize with people just like themselves. They'll empathize with the stories and challenges that they relate to. So I felt it was really important, especially as creators and as marketers and, and anyone in business or in selling or in relationships to leverage the power of story, but use it for good. You know, tell, you know, it's not all about making people feel pain, but it's also, you know, helping folks like relatably be able to, to, to put what, you know, what we're putting out there in context. And I think that's where the power story came in and where I thought was really important at the, you know, you know, manufacturing champions was to like, you know, just call out the fact that this is all a story in progress. And yeah. kudos to you for, for setting up the manufacturing champions. It was, it, it's an event I'll never forget. It was, it felt like a weekend. Remember the whole time. Yeah. yeah we kept referring to the, the mastermind as like a weekend event and, <laughs> Like it was, it was event planning is what I do. I love throwing events it was, it was a lot like the main, like awesome. all the manufacturing champions pitched in to make it what it was. I have a follow up question to okay. this then because let's let's do an example. So that way the audience can really understand the impact of storytelling in manufacturing. So describe a manufacturer first, describe them without storytelling. And then part two, describe a manufacturer when you're using storytelling. Great question. Um, and I think when you're a manufacturer and you're telling a story, um, I think all those same elements are coming into play where it's really about empathy. It's about relatability. When you're not telling a story, it, it tends to have a chance to become self-serving or, you know, just navel gazing. And you're mm -hmm. just saying, hey, our X35 here and R, 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 R. Um, if you're just putting out information, you know, um, that could be very helpful. Um, but one of the things that actually motivated me um, in the business case I made internally to myself and others 
in you know helping to seed industrial studios was that I saw the definition of of what an industrial like literally the definition of industrial video what's is this format of educational content that's that's not really meant to be creative but pr pragmatic mm -hmm. um, it's not known for its creative qualities um, and you know when I looked at that definition I just you know I just I flipped the bird and said f that yeah. um, it's like no that's not what it needs to be and um, so we you know, work with Jim Olin, you know, just had a melding of the minds, dreamer, storyteller, entertainer, and just just really looked at that whole issue of how are we going to break through the noise? How are we going to be able to tell stories? Because people are bombarded by, you know, bombarded by content mm -hmm. and and we've got to entertain people. We've got to put out interesting content. It can't just be pragmatic and not creative. It's got to be um, interesting and you don't want to regret that you're watching something. Yeah. You know, we, we have to put out content that people want to watch. And we built a team and we built a mindset to break through the noise, have, you know, everything we do as manufacturers is content. So in answering that question, you know, what that means for manufacturers is that that difference is if you're telling that story, people empathize with the challenge they face, how you overcome that machining challenge. And then it, it's almost like the case studies being revised because you, you, you don't want to say problem, solution, result. So it becomes rote versus, wow, it was great to see that behind the scenes story. It wasn't yeah. just the fact that you do something. It's the how you get to it. And I think people relate to that more. Yeah. Yeah. Take us through like a, a quick example real quick. How do how do a lot of manufacturers tell their story and then flip it on its head? Like just it could be a quick three sentence story as well, because most of them aren't really telling a story per se. It's like feature benefit, etc. I, I think it's I think it's it's even simpler than that. I think the number one thing like we thought about together on the team was that we don't want to do a, a video. Mm -hmm. We don't want to we want to do something that's going to have an impact, you know, on the business. Mm -hmm. It's going to have a, a, a creative and inspire, you know, like the creativity has to come out. Yeah. And then it has to also serve the audience. You know, we want to have a strategy around that and fighting for the audience is so important because if they get what they want, you know, your creative juices are, you know, like, you know, are, are flowing and I think the business ultimately is going to get what it wants. And I do think in an age where there's a absolute deluge of content yeah. and, and manufacturers are producing content and video at scale now, we mm -hmm. see it. It's going to be a point where you're going to see resistance if these manufacturers do not, do not find ways to, to do things differently because it's just going to be more, oh, here comes another marketer. Like you really have to think through that value, entertaining, educational, and interesting equation. Um, we're going to jump to the next brewery. We're going to jump over to Bearded Iris for this next question because we're right. going to start getting even more candid. Okay, here. so I'll probably get more time here because you like that one more. <laughs> that's, so that's true. So we'll uh, we'll spend some more time at Bearded uh, Iris. <laughs> well, I think this is another good question. We'll save a couple questions for Bearded Iris. Then this is. What kind of noise are we seeing in the industry today then, right? Because we talk about how, you know, five years ago when I started manufacturing Happy Hour, five, six years ago, whatever it was, right? I could post a video and regardless of what it was, 
it would have broken through the noise because there wasn't a lot of video being posted back then. That's not the case anymore. So you're talking about how we're bombarded by content now. So what, what kind of noise are you starting to sense in the industry? So what kind of noise? Well, there's volumetric noise. Um, I, I do think there's the noise of insensitivity to the audience, to your point again. But I also think that there's this compliance noise out there, meaning you're having to follow the script. You're having to follow the brand to the extent that the brand standards, the brand guidelines, the brand guardrails start to get in the way. There's this creative brand construct where you cannot do what you need to do. So, you know, you have to see this one brand color always, 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 always. And it really starts to be, there's consistency is important, but also creativity is key. And, and I love the brands that are able to flex that. So one of the beliefs that we've created is that, you know, and we, we actually like kind of, you know, constructively box around, we, we box for these ideals is that you've got to scrape the guardrails, like, right. Cause you still have to, you know, be compliant. There's legal, there's all that stuff with manufacturing, but you've got to scrape the guardrails. Again, this comes from Jim Olin and the team. They, Basically, like, it's like, go hard, don't fly off the ledge, man, like sparks are flying off the, off those metal guardrails, sparks, you know, you're zooming, you're taking your car down there and it's just flying and you're having fun and you're make you're making good noise and, you know, and the sparks are exhilarating and you can do that in subtle emotional ways to make someone feel something, to have an impact, but you want to create something that's engaging, that, that compels somebody to do that because they felt something and, I think that's the noise equation. What are you feeling? I really like that answer because you started off with, I think, one of the most fundamental things that's true. It's there's volumetric noise, right? There are a lot of people doing this now. It's yeah. not just someone who finally realizes like, oh, yeah, we should be doing video. Everyone's realized that now. So there's the volume. But I think one of the number one takeaways from this podcast will be your comment around compliance noise, right? And scraping the guardrails, I think, is a great way to describe how to go about it, right? Because if it ends up being too scripted, it's very easy to sense when something's fake or when it's like legal has their hands all over this and this is now a terrible video to watch. I'm sorry that I wasted five minutes of my life doing yeah. this. It, it's so it's soul crushing. I think another thing we're seeing too is um, the, the relationship's transactional. So one of the things we were looking and we do most often is serial content. Because if you're creating content, whether it's a brand, an individual, a creator, and they just see a video and then it's one person, then another, who you, how are you building that relationship? So if you're not, you know, having ongoing engagement, if you're not really starting to bring the human elements into this, you're really going to struggle. And what we've seen a lot of success is we're bringing in these real personalities. These relationships are being given time to perform. And, you know, just like with any other creator or influencer, it could be a brand, it could be a subject matter expert there, it can be an influencer or creator or someone who's an expert. That's what you have to do. And, and so what we believe also in is, is longitudinal content strategies because it takes time for these properties to go. And if you just keep doing a video, a video, a video, you're wondering why you're not getting any traction. And I think that's one of the superpowers you have, Chris, is that you've been in this game how many episodes now? Over 150. Over 150 yeah. episodes. And that's just the podcast episodes. That's not including like the 75 uh, uh, short form videos I did before that. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're, we're much slower going. We're running a bigger organization mm -hmm. here. 
And like, that's the power because I felt like I've had a relationship with you before I even met you. And I respect your, you know, you're one of the best in the industry here. I, I watch how you do your interviews going, man, I got up my game. <laughs> so um, It just comes with practice, man. That's, yeah. that's the main thing I got going for me. I do this yeah. 150 times, 75 times. It gets easier. That's what I tell everyone, right? The first interview should be rough. You're a, pr you're a pro also. Like, I don't need to be telling you this, but for the beginner that's just getting behind the mic for the first time, it's like, yeah. you don't sweat it. Like, just, yeah. you'll get better as you go. Just, 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 just hit send, right? Just get it out. It's awesome. We'll be right back, right after a word from our sponsor. Are you looking to make your maintenance department more streamlined, reliable, and profitable? then check out Traction. Traction integrates condition monitoring IoT sensors in an asset management software to create the most complete maintenance ecosystem on the market. They're on a mission to empower frontline workers, the backbone of our economy, with their combination hardware-software solution. To learn more about Traction, head to traction.com. If you want to hear more about what this team is all about, check out episode 127 featuring their founder, Igor Marinelli. There, you'll hear the full story behind Traction, but more importantly, you'll hear why Igor truly believes that maintenance leaders are the industrial champions that are bringing the future of machine monitoring to life. He shares why frontline teams are at the center of industrial innovations and how to move past proof-of-concept projects and actually implement new ideas. Go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 127 to listen and learn about Traction today. And now, back to today's episode. So now that more people are jumping on the bandwagon, you know, and you've kind of given some good tips on what to stop doing on and, and what to start doing with, you know, grinding those guardrails a little bit. Any other tips for creating video that breaks through the noise for the audience out there? Feel free to get super tactful with this. Bro. Yeah. So I, so I would defer to my my colleagues on on the tips. Um, I I think the number one tip I would give when it comes to, because I think the biggest issue we have is with ourselves and our self-consciousness mm -hmm. and, and, and the issues we have with ourselves. I think you go back. Number one tip I would say is do what your, you know, parents told you to do when you're a kid, be yourself. Yeah. And that's tough. I'm still trying to be myself on, on my episode, um, for industrial safe marketing, um, that we do. Cause I really feel like there's the Bronx Puerto Rican in me. There's the industrial marketer in me. Mm -hmm. There's the guy that's, you know, doing what I have to do here. And then there's just the silly goofball that like at home that like I'm the butt of all jokes at home. Sure. So like, I just think that if you can be yourself and really get good at it, um, that's what people relate to, you yeah. know, just Com be you. Completely agree. I, I, that's the only tip I got. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I agree with that because what I've found is it becomes easier. People think it's like, well, how am I supposed to showcase who I really am? I'm this professional at this corporate job, this startup, whatever it is. My answer to that, it's like, well, if you're creating content consistently, you have the opportunity to start mixing in those different parts of your personality. It's not you created this one piece of content this month. It's you created a little piece of content every day. It's a lot easier to mix in those goofball elements that you brought up or the, you know, your background coming up in the Bronx. It's easier to do that when you're creating something every day versus when you've just got this one piece of content every quarter, every month. 
etc. Yeah, I think that consistency, like I've, I've even put out an episode on consistency and that was one of the longest gaps after I did that episode. Yeah. <laughs> we got something happened. We got busy. It was good busy. But um, yeah, that, that stuff happens all the time. And uh, um, I don't know. It's just uh, it's it's just an interesting game being in, in, in podcasting and YouTube. Um, I, I just I, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. And uh, I think I think for anyone doing this thing, you have to just give yourself a break. So what else besides video breaks through the noise? That's the other thing. Now, I, I would say we, I probably have one beer left in my flight at uh, Bearded Iris before we jump into the next venue. But this is the last question okay. here at Bearded. What else breaks through the noise? You know, I believe a lot in, a, in channel mastery. If you don't understand the channels by which you're trying to distribute the content, if you don't understand that the structural format of how you structure the content, there's real science around both the structure of what you're creating and, and how you format it to understanding how those channels work because there's so much great content that quite frankly is just not structurally sound in, in terms of how it's created and formatted and improved upon. So you know, very tactical thumbnails. If you two most important thing, title, description, and thumbnail. There's such science to that. And I see so many great videos with with one or two changes. The number one job you have is to get someone to watch it. Mm -hmm. And there's just such I can't there's so much amazing content that it, that are not addressing those structural elements. Um and then the understanding of the channel mastery for me, that's really key because if you don't understand how the channels work and how you do your research around where the demand side is of that content you have and like people want to know how to, you know, or, you know, automation setup for beginners. There's, there's like a, there's actually a known set of content types that are the most viral topics that are the things that people really want to see. So someone has a brand new machine tool out there. Someone wants to see the unboxing. They want to know how it works. They want to, they want to know those very basic questions. And it's amazing. Like you figure out why people look at something a ton is because you're answering the simple, stupid questions. Yeah. And, it, and that's like the number one thing you need to do. You understand how, how the, the channels work, LinkedIn versus YouTube versus whatever, um, to how do you structure that content? Mm -hmm. Um, and then lastly is the distribution. Yeah. You don't understand how to do the distribution. If you can't build that workflow to leverage, you know, whether it's a co-op with your supplier or whatever it is, it's just, it's, there's just so many missed opportunities, but just start with a good, a really good video. Um, and, you know, and then just, you know, just take those Kaizen continuous improvement steps to like improve upon it so that you, you really have a good way of thinking the thing out. I like how you wrap that up because I don't want people to get caught up and it's like, oh, well, if I'm going to do this, I can't just have a good video. I've got to make sure I get the thumbnail right. I got to make sure I understand how the channel works, the distribution, all that. It's a lot to think about, but it's like get comfortable making the video, get that out and then continue to build upon those things. Like I'm still refining my thumbnail strategy, for example. Right. And that was a really good tactical one you brought up. Yeah, there, there you can get overwhelmed in the cameras, the technology, the lighting, uh, A.I., um, there's just so much you can think about, but one of the things I do believe it's happening that you need, just need to think about is now our content's more discoverable because Google has opened up podcasts to search. That's a game changer. So now podcasts become video because they're typically recorded on video too. They go long form, short form. 
So to the extent that you can create a workflow in your mind as you grow, just to record, hit send, and consistency. But after that, you can slowly build out workflows where you can create an omni-channel format, you know, for all the, the main channels that you have, a good Fiverr account, a good team, a good partner, all of that stuff can come together. And now all of a sudden your reach grows, you know, but you do need to figure out if videos for you, some people are better writers, mm-hmm. you know, some people are more, at the, more at the speaking thing. Yep. Um, and for me on our show, like, uh, I do mostly interviews, but actually the ones that get the most views are my talking head ones. Sure. And so you just have to look at the data and start to just react to what the audience is telling you. Great point. This next question is going to have to be one while we're walking to the basement east because I have a feeling that venue is going to be pretty loud. So we're probably jamming out. We're probably not asking that question while we're at the basement east. But bucket list venue for me, I will see a show there someday. But we're walking down there right now. My question for you, this is what I'm really curious about is, and this completely changes gears in our conversation, is the South, is Nashville the next great U.S. tech and manufacturing hub? This is a movement I've been sensing. I'm just curious what your take on this in terms of this community and not even Nashville, like looking at the Atlantas, the Alabamas, like all these areas. Yeah, the South shall rise again. Um, <laughs> um, absolutely. I, I was fortunate enough to be invited to be part of the uh, uh, the board of Nashville Technology Council. So this goes back a ways, but the, the vision back then before it exploded was for this to become Techville. So we had this Techville conference. We created, you know, there was a creation of an entrepreneur center and we just really exploded with digital entrepreneurialism. And so, so yes, there's been that trend you know, Oracle just announced they're moving one of their bigger headquarters here and they're building across the river. Uh, we have the blue manufacturing plant for EV transformation, you know, in Memphis. And we are one of the top destinations already for automotive manufacturing. But now we see really the next generation sustainability, solar, um, Huntsville, we have aerospace. So this whole general region is absolutely focused on, you know, increasingly more and more advanced manufacturing. And, and really the, the, you know, the kind of the, Icing on the cake is, is Amazon coming in for, you know, HQ3. And this is probably the best success story of all that, you know, decision they made. And it's a major technology automation and logistics hub. And they're building a couple, you know, skyscrapers down the street. One of them's done and the next one's still building. So, so, you know, if momentum means anything, absolutely. This is a great destination and uh, all kinds of digital uh, activities happening here. Yeah, I'm interested to see how things change. You know, we might just need to throw like a manufacturing festival down here at some point. Wink, wink. So. Yes, yes. Man- manufacturing is definitely uh, is definitely on the rise here, like it is in many places. So, what do you think? What do you think about a, a you know a party? I think we yeah we can we can pull that off. Some live music, showcase the culture, showcase the tech, showcase the people. Yeah, I think. Uh, I see something in the future. Well, we have sure. a little space here for that too. So we'll, we could talk about it. All right. That sounds good. That's good. Preview for, for what's to come for all the listeners out there. But, you know, so I only have a couple of questions left. We're about to, we're about to leave the basement East, but we run into Jack White on the way out. So yes. this is a fun you see question. see him everywhere. Exactly. Actually. Exactly. So, yeah. so I'm, I normally ask this at the start, but how do you describe what you do? How do you describe what Industrial Studios does if you just bump into someone like Jack White, who probably has no idea what you do or really not know much about our industry in general? How do you describe that to him in simple terms? What we do? Oh, uh, we, we, uh, 
Well, I'd be speechless. Sure. One. Yeah. You're um, probably asking for an autograph yeah. versus telling him about so, the so company. I, 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 what I would tell him is like, hey, we rocked storytelling, connecting industrial buyers and suppliers and some kick butt marketing for manufacturers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I dig it. I dig it. That's probably the Jack White answer. Um, well, hey, so we got one more stop. We're going over to Old Glory for the nightcap, the speakeasy. We're finishing off there. And this is the question I always finish off with. What's something we didn't cover that you wish we spent some time with? I think for me, just having you here and your journey of bringing together, you know, creators and manufacturers and putting yourself out there like really early and and believing in these formats. Like the question I would hope that you would ask is like, you know, you know, wh what are your thoughts about, you know, bringing this community together and 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 being a creator and being with creators? That's the question. All right. So what is your answer to that question? Okay. That's I actually want to know yours. I want to flip oh, you the wanna, script. I you want to know. The okay. This, this actually happens more <laughs> frequently now. The last question gets flipped on me. Yeah. What do I want to do bringing together a community? I would say it's not even because I think we're using creators right now to describe like a subset of people in the manufacturing industry. One thing I'm trying to focus on right now is to let everyone know that maybe maybe creators not even the right word because maybe some people get intimidated by that it's like oh man i need to know how to do videos i need to know how to curate something perfectly for linkedin what i see is when a company that has a lot of people on their team with strong personal brands that gets reflected positively on the company and that's where i think bringing in some of these people that are established creators today can help amplify those voices. So where I'm focused on in the community right now is to more to democratize this creator idea where it's like, hey, and you've said this before, we're all creators, right? I want to do it in a way where people really believe that and start incorporating a lot of these big topics we talked about, video, social media, yeah. start incorporating that into something they do every day. The same way a salesperson updates CRM the same way someone in quality does their quality inspections, right? Realize that this is supposed to be a habit, part of the job that everyone can create in some capacity because that's what's really gonna help these companies. It's not just relying on one person to be their megaphone. That's part of the strategy. But I think my, you know, one of my big purposes in bringing the community together is gonna take a lot of voices to amplify this, more so than just, let's say, the the, the first set of us that have started doing it. No, I, I love that. And yeah, thanks for answering that. I, <laughs> there you go. I, I, um, we got a couple drinks by now, I, right? Yeah, in our yeah, theoretical yeah, yeah, bar yeah, for crawl. Sure. So, yeah. so the, um, I think that's a really important thing because, I, you know, one of the things we're working on with AMT on the IMTS Plus Creators Lounge and IMTS Plus, it's all about the personalities of people. So I think it really gets into who are, be yourself. It's mm -hmm. the personalities and I think when you look at these manufacturing organizations, because they're wrestling with how do they leverage their, uh, we're the best ever to do this content. We're the best ever because we've designed and manufactured it. We're the experts in these things. Who can better speak to these things? So how do we get these personalities out there telling their own stories, telling the story of manufacturing? And I think further, as you look like what you do as a, as someone who brings people together, is that you know you ultimately have to think about it what are we really dealing with by definition you know a company is a group of people 
and business to business and industrial to industrial is all about people. Mm -hmm. And I believe personally, when we, we define who we are, you know, why do we like, so founded industrial strength marketing, industrial marketers, our studios, all this fun stuff. Great. But, you know, we, you know, we call ourselves industrial because that's why people do business with us. But really more than that, I'm a big by definition guy. By definition, one of the subsets of the definitions of industrial is a person engaged in industry. Mm -hmm. And what I'm trying to do, and I think what a lot of us are trying to do is to get people to embrace their inner industrial as that person engaged in this. You literally can be an industrial. Yeah, I and, hear you. And I think that's really where I think in one sense of the word, we're really trying to embrace that, mm -hmm. own it, be at peace, but ultimately celebrate it. And I think that's where I think if we can self-identify as industrials um, and we can be comfortable telling our stories and sharing our expertise and the personalities out there, I think we can we can start to expand that definition of what a creator is. Yeah, I, I like that. And I think there's one thing I like about the way you described it is I think of it just not as a spokesperson for a company per se. It's a spokesperson for the industry, right? When you're a spokesperson for the industry, an industrial, if you will, you're by default helping maybe the company you work for today with their message as well. So yeah. great. I think that's a great way to wrap it up. Finish in our cocktail at uh, Old Glory. What a what a <laughs> what a time, James. This is good. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers to that. You know, for everyone out there watching, we'll have ways to connect with James, Industrial Studios, Industrial Strength Marketing over in the show notes page. And with that, James, I just want to thank you for jumping on Manufacturing Happy Hour. Thanks for having me, my friend. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Hey, thanks for listening. I'll say up front that, unfortunately, St. Louis City SC lost that soccer game. It was a good game. It was a fun time hanging out with James. But anyway, thank you all for listening. Thank you, James, and the entire team at Industrial for bringing me down to Nashville. That was a ton of fun. Like I said at the start, if you want to learn more, if you want to access any of the resources, connect with James, connect with Industrial Studios, go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 145. I also have links to every single bar, brewery, concert venue, restaurant that we rattled off the beginning of the episode. So uh, if you're making a trip to Nashville sometime soon, show notes page can be helpful for that as well. Anyway, we hinted that some events might be coming up, and I will confirm that there will be events coming up this fall at some of the big conferences you know uh, i'm not sure exactly which ones but you got your fab techs you got your automation fairs all those are coming up here in fall 2023 and of course beyond that as well manufacturing happy hour is, is as much an event series and a community as it is a podcast so continue to follow this show for more details i do want to thank our sponsor today traction for making this show possible You've listened to Igor on his episode. If you haven't, go back to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash traction to learn more. And then finally, hey, if you are looking for a keynote speaker to talk about all the things that manufacturing leaders are sharing and are front of mind and to give your organization, your sales team, your management team, whoever it is, give them a great perspective on what's taking place in the manufacturing industry well hey i'm happy to present on the top 10 lessons from over a hundred interviews with manufacturing leaders soon i'm going to need to make it the top 20 from the top 200 interviews but if you'd like to book me to speak do that by emailing me at info at manufacturinghappyhour.com with the subject line 
Keynote would love to collaborate with you and your organization. And with that, thanks so much for sticking around. Stay innovative, stay thirsty. We'll catch you again next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.